Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Open Championship edition of the Rainmakers Fantasy Golf Show presented by DraftKings Rainmakers. We are back on a normal schedule this week for the first time in a couple of weeks now. So welcoming in, of course, my co-host this week is TJ. TJ, how is everything going? How was the weekend? I know you're in Vegas. Maybe give us a quick Vegas recap. Let's uh, let's hear how the last couple of weeks in your life has gone. Yeah, I spent the last week in Vegas playing some World Series of Poker events. Got added three WSOP caches to my resume, so that was a ton of fun. We're uh, we're actually going to do a show tomorrow too, where we'll 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 dive a little bit more into the poker stuff, <clears throat> and then you know, apparently it's not the most healthy thing to spend a week straight in Vegas casinos playing cards and uh, the last 36 or so hours. I don't know. M- must've had COVID or something. I was not doing well, got sick, basically out of commission all day, Saturday, half of the day yesterday, finally feeling alive and well, ready to get back to the normal routine, ready to talk some golf. It worked out perfectly. I didn't, I didn't watch pretty much any of the golf until uh Sunday morning, woke up, popped it on the TV, saw Rory get his victory. So that was awesome to see. I feel like that, that had been a long time coming. We've been been pounding the pavement on Rory for some time here. Felt like he was due. It was good to see him get that done down the stretch. Fun finish to to the tournament. But yeah, think, things are going well. Recovering still. And onwards we march. Final major championship of the year. Football season continuing to hit up. Lots of exciting stuff on the horizon here at OTM and specifically this week with the open championship. Uh, always, always a fun one. I guess it's going to be some wonky sleep schedule stuff because we'll, we'll have like the overnight golf again. Right. Yeah. So I, I was going to, I was going to say, I, uh, I don't know how many wake up calls that I have at three in the morning, honestly, better chance of me being up from the night before to catch sort of like three, four in the morning tea time. So I, I couldn't really see too much of the Scottish open this weekend. did catch the Sunday finish, of course, which we'll get into. Uh, I was also solo parenting for any of you dads out there, uh, solo parenting this weekend. So I was catching up on my much needed sleep to chase around my, my three-year-old all weekend long. So that was fun. Um, but yeah, the open championship week, it's always a little bit of a sad week week uh from my point of view it's the last major of 2023 we'll have a solid seven plus months of wait time until april rolls around in 2024 before we get to the masters the majors no matter what uh no matter what the pga does no matter what live golf does no matter what anything in golf does the majors really are just so dominant in terms of capturing the attention of the normal fan base uh you know people that just casually watch golf they watch golf for the majors so uh the the energy around the majors the hype around the majors it is very much real i think Hoylake and royal liverpool which we'll get into this week is going to live up to the hype they've made some changes since 2014 where we had Rory win in 2014 and now Rory off of a win at the Scottish has a chance to go back to back weeks and back to back last times the major last time the open championship was held at this golf course golf course. Um, going to get into all that, but yeah, let's, let's cover quickly the recap. So we had two tournaments last weekend from a DraftKings Rainmakers standpoint, the Scottish open and the Barbasol championship Scottish open. We saw come down to two players, really Rory McElroy and Robert McIntyre on Sunday. 
McIntyre shoots a uh, a field best 64 on Sunday as the only person to really push Rory. If he doesn't shoot the absurd score of 64, uh, Rory kind of waltz, waltzes his way to, to victory in this one. Rory stood on the 16th green down one shot with like a seven footer left for birdie, unfortunately missed that putt. So was on the 17th, a par three, 195 yards. I want to say, uh, I saw a tweet from data golf. Someone was asking on the 17th hole on the tee box, what was Rory's chances to win? And per data golf, they said he had a 4% chance to win needed to make back to back birdies needed to make at least one birdie on 17 and 18, both which played over par for the entire tournament. I believe uh, 17 played 0.2 shots over par and 18 played 0.4 shots over par. The only birdie on 18 that entire day on Sunday, uh, uh, you know, before Rory stepped up to 18 was Robert McIntyre made an absurd, absurd birdie, uh, hit a three wood, what, what three or five wood into the green from like 219 to like three feet to knock it in for birdie Rory. So he steps up on 17, hits it to four feet, makes the birdie. And then on 18, it was just a really crazy hole to watch. It's a great drive down the left-hand side. The wind is gusting about 20, uh, 20 miles per hour. And if you haven't seen it, Rory sort of stepped away from his approach shot first pulled four iron, stepped away, took a completely different cl club and a completely different shot shape. The announcers indicated he wanted to hit a draw with the four iron, ended up hitting a driving iron, like a two, like between a two, two and a three iron and hit a fade in there to seven feet uh, or sorry, it was like 11 feet on 18. And man, I mean, what did you think, Teej, on the camera angle on on 18? I was, of course, watching on my phone because you needed to watch on the CBS Sports app, which, you know, it, golf, golf just makes it so hard to be a fan. You have to change where you're watching the coverage. You have to be up early. But then I'm on my phone watching, and this camera angle was just, I mean, it was just an atrocity. I didn't know whether the putt went in or not. I only could judge off uh, Rory's reaction, and he became the thumbnail for the show today because it was just uh, him staring back with his head up into the sky. Couldn't believe that it went in. What was your take on uh, the angle that we had for that putt on 18? Yeah, really couldn't see anything like, and apparently Rory seemingly did not think it was going to go in. So his, he didn't look very confident until the ball actually dropped. So it was quite confusing as to what was going on. It yeah. Seemed I like mean, he was going to miss it. But, uh, Shout out golf Twitter. It's literally unmatched, unrivaled, just so many takes about how terrible the camera angle is. And then on top of that, just being, I mean, quite frankly, literally impossible. I mean, I had texted you on Sunday morning, like, where are you watching this? I couldn't really figure it out that quickly. I dismissed the message, the pop-up message that you got on the PGA tour app. I dismissed it too quickly to uh, understand where it was actually being played at. So quickly I had to pull up the CBS sports app to catch it. But I mean, somebody like my dad, right? Like somebody who watches golf, you know, pretty casually, but watches every week. He was saying, I had no idea where I couldn't catch it on TV. He was up actually at like five in the morning, watched it from like five to 6am. And then after 6am, when they cut it off, he was just like, well, I guess I'm not watching golf anymore because I'm not going to go to my phone and download an app and do all this crazy stuff. So I think we have a long way to go in terms of making the game easier to watch from a fan's perspective. Yeah. I guess with the weird timings or they weren't able to get the primetime CBS or, or wherever. So I had to be on the app. I don't, or hopefully we don't have the same thing for the major this weekend. I would think that they would have that 
figured out. But yeah, it comes down to I guess like certain types of contracts with the networks and all of that good stuff. Obviously, for a major championship, I think we're going to get pretty prime time coverage no matter what happens. The weather also does look like it's going to cooperate, so maybe we don't see the shifts that we saw. At the well, I guess that was country. another. I guess that was another thing too. I wonder if that impacted where it was being because uh, they moved the tee times way up, right? Yeah, they moved the tee times way up. They played split tees one and ten, playing yeah. off both sides. So that definitely shakes things up. But that probably uh, yeah. impacted the TV. I don't know what the original intent was supposed to be. Maybe it was supposed to be on network TV, but then because it was. they moved it up, they weren't able to change it. Around. It was, and they of course showed the replay on network TV at, in the time. But then, you know, if you're if you're living in the 21st century, you're at least on Twitter. You know who won the championship. You know who won the golf the golf tournament. You're probably not going to tune into the entire replay uh, four hours later. So, uh, but. Either way, Rory, like you said, gets it done. And I mean, Rory's been knocking on the door for, I don't know, what feels like two months now. His game has been right there, like very solid. If you asked him and if you listen to any interviews that he did said, he still wasn't quite playing his A game, but I mean, he was top 10 finishes and three or four in a row, uh, just playing really, really well. So uh, it was, it was good to see Rory knock down the door, get the victory. And now of course we are headed into a major, a major where Rory has great history in terms of court and terms of just feeling good about this course where he won, uh, the last time it was held there. So Rory at the top of the odds board, if you take a look at our site, otmnft.com, the player's view shows you the odds. There's only 61 rainmakers players in this field of 154 golfers so i really really think that we'll we'll zero in on some of that this week but you're going to see a lot of top heavy lineups with a middling option or two as guys fourth or fifth golfer but i definitely expect there to be top heavy lineups that make their way up the leaderboard this course is a course that sort of demands driving basically driving everything honestly accuracy and distance if you can't hit the ball in that 280 carry at 280 300 range you're going to definitely struggle uh around hoy lake it's going to be a very very interesting interesting uh four days at this golf course uh it's link style pot bunkers everywhere if you're missing into those pot bunkers it's essentially automatically a stroke penalty you're taking some sort of wedge you're sometimes coming out sideways you definitely have no chance to get to the green in any of these big big pot bunkers especially if you're anywhere near the lip so it should be very classic overseas golf for uh the open championship this week um before okay sorry we're a little all over the place this is you know a little chemistry we're getting a little chemistry back uh let's cover quickly the barbasol we had the barbasol also last week where we saw victor norman uh a guy whose name we've said on this show before had been playing really good golf i will say this about the barbasol i mean this this had to be one of the like the PGA tour had to reach so deep to put on this alternative of alternate event i didn't know what was 50 plus percent of these golfers? I mean, even some of the guys that finished near the top of the board, Nathan Kimsey, definitely some DP World Tour guys, uh, Adrian Sadier, uh, you know, there's Daniel Brown. I didn't know any of these golfers. So it was really tough. It was 
it was fun from a rainmaker's perspective if you could get some teams in uh with some of the better the guys with better odds guys like pendrith glover uh norman obviously finished at the top of the board at minus 22 in a playoff but um it was easier to cash in an event like this but it was harder to field a team and definitely harder to quote unquote buy uh to field a team for this tournament unfortunately for me i didn't cash anything in the scottish open cashed one team in the rare uh event for the barbasol not sure how you uh fared in the barbasol i i didn't really watch too much of it once the scottish ended it was uh it was basically no golf for me caught the very tail end of the playoff but uh that was about it yeah didn't i didn't get to play any contests this week i'm pretty sure you can't play rainmakers in vegas yeah that, i know that, you can't play dfs or bet so uh, yeah i did not i did not get to enter which I don't think I would have won anything, but like my core lineup is like my, my, my main rare lineup is always Captain Rory, Hatton, some other people that did well. But I'm pretty sure I would have had Adam Scott in there who missed the cut. So I, I don't feel too bad about uh, missing out on anything, anything crazy. But it, well, it was a bit of a bummer to not get at least some cash for the Rory win, but you know, yeah, you give and take. And it is kind of crazy to me that Vegas and Nevada of all places is one of the areas where you can't play fantasy sports. Yeah, it's, that it is freaking Vegas. But It uh, is incredibly wild the way in which the state of Nevada protects their gaming and gambling laws and sort of all the nuances and details of the United States of America and the gambling laws that are uh, the USA laws. It is definitely a challenge. I, I, I believe it is because in just about every state, it is a requirement that you have a brick and mortar uh, casino, brick and mortar location, and DraftKings usually part partners with some other casinos in the state. Of course, when you are up against the likes of the MGM Grand, and Caesars and all of the big names in gaming uh, going to be pretty difficult to strike a deal. So I imagine that's why uh, it is impossible to play uh, fantasy sports and anything related to DraftKings and uh, DraftKings, DraftKings, Rainmakers, DFS uh, in Nevada. So definitely a challenge there. Um, we know that here in PA where we're hopping over to the border to play a uh, little rainmakers ourselves. We're making, making a weekly drive weekly effort to uh, get the sweat that is rainmakers. All right. I think that covers all of the recap segment of the show. Oh, I, I will say shout out glib an awesome, awesome lineup that he put together, uh, for the Scottish Open, it was in the gated contest. I believe he will be, uh, he finished third, so he wins the gated contest, the BMW Championship. Uh, red carpet experience from DraftKings. Still interested to see if he's going to take that experience, but shout out uh, those guys over there in the Jolly Jokers Discord. Another massive win. This this year, we've now had a $10,000 win, a $5,000 win, and now a gated contest experience win. Awesome, awesome stuff over there, so shout out to you guys continuing to sweat it out. And We've got the last major, all of the playoffs. We've got some big-time events coming up, so should be fun the rest of the season. All right, let's get into it. We've already kind of previewed it. Uh, Hoylake or Royal Liverpool, which is in Hoylake, England, which is why a lot of people just call this course Hoylake. Uh, it is Royal Liverpool. 2014 was the last time the, U the Open Championship, and if you say the British Open, someone in golf Twitter will probably correct you. Some golf purists uh, will make sure you call it the Open Championship, uh, but it will be it will be a little bit of a different look. Uh, some updates to Hoylake, some changes, some lengthening. I believe they've added 250 to 300 yards on some of these holes, and yeah, it's going to be 
a, a course that demands distance. It also demands accuracy. A lot of very narrow landing zones, a lot of hazards, pop bunkers, things like that, that uh, you know, are right in the landing zones for these professional golfers. I think it's going to continue to be a type of event where birdies are out there. You can make birdies. It will be very weather dependent. Uh, it's Monday, so a quick view at the weather. Uh, let me believe that Friday, sorry, Thursday and Friday should be pretty calm. I only saw winds of eight to 10 miles an hour. Didn't see any rain in the forecast. Therefore, I expect that birdies are, are going to be out there. Birdies are going to be made. Uh, you're talking about 154, the best golfers in the world. So I expect there to be some low scores. If the weather cooperates last time, the weather did cooperate. We could see scores upwards of 18, 19, 20 under par winning, uh, the open championship. So it'd be very interesting. I do think with the length, it's gonna, it's gonna demand driving the golf ball. You're going to need to be both accurate and long. The guys who are both both, uh, speaking of which, which is why Rory is getting a lot of heat. Rory, Rom, I think are two of the best drivers of the golf ball. Rom, a lot of questions coming uh, in around Rom. Hasn't really fared, hasn't played his best in the last uh, month or so. But you know, I uh, I put a comment out in the Discord. If anybody's looking to get rid of a rare John Rom, I'm a buyer. Put a put an offer out there at 65 bucks. I'd like to add a little Rom in my portfolio for this week. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Our site. OTMNFT.com has the top of the odds board. And like we said, only 61 Rainmakers golfers. So you see a very big spread or a very big uh, jump in odds. You know, the, the golfers and Rainmakers have odds at the top of the board, like Scheffler and Rory at plus 700. But then you can go all the way down to basically the bottom of the odds board. Guys like Stuart Sink, Scott Stalling, Zach Johnson. I mean, these guys are 800 to one uh, to win the golf tournament. Uh, they're going to be in certain lineups. They're going to be used as fillers for certain people. But then you jump into this mid-range, and I think it's very, very interesting. Uh, so, Tej, let's let's kind of break it down. The top tier, let's say, yo, let's say uh, top tier, we'll call it. 2000, uh, I guess we got to go to 2200. We'll call it 2200 and up, which is five golfers, Scheffler, Rory, Rom, Hatton, and Hovland. And then this mid range, which is going to be the most interesting to, to conversate about from Shoffley at plus 2500, all the way down to plus 10,000, Denny McCarthy. Uh, there's a lot of golfers in here that have some really big odds. I mean, you, you called it out right away. We were talking behind the show, uh, behind the scenes of the show. Tony Finau at 60 to 1, uh, definitely pretty big odds when you see someone like Finau at 60 to 1 and then someone like you know, Shoffley or, or Hovland at 22 or 25 to 1. Any takes? Let, let's first start at the top of the range. Scheffler, Rory, Rom, the big three. We'll lump in Hatton and Hovland here, but uh, any takes? on these five golfers yeah it's a it's a unique setup especially when it comes to rainmakers like you said only 61 total players available in rainmakers you have not only all of the live golfers in the field that are not eligible for rainmakers but then you also have the ricky fowlers the jordan spieths so i, I do think that the majors in particular offer a unique dynamic for rainmakers and kind of a, a smaller player pool i also think there's this element of like Scheffler, Rory, and Rom are just so good and so likely that one of the three of them is going to win that it really pushes everybody else's odds to be a lot higher from a outright win perspective. Like, like you just mentioned, I mean, guys like Finau and Homa and Sam Burns, 60 to one. I mean, Justin Thomas 
who who's been struggling 75 to one. My goodness. I, I think if, if it was a year ago, if, if you had to place a bet of like, will there ever be a tournament in the next two years where Justin Thomas is 75 to one, I think everyone would say no way in hell. Like that's not possible. So pretty, uh, pretty unique in that sense. I think that the top of the board though, it's just, it's so strong with Scheffler. I, we were talking about it before the show and we talk about it every single show, but Scotty Scheffler is just truly unbelievable. He's now had seven straight tournaments where he's finished in the top five, which is just astronomical. I mean, it's, it's almost a lock that he's vacating, taking off one of the, the top five slots. So can't go wrong with Scotty there. And then you have Rory coming off of the win. Of course, whenever you're overseas, you're going to be looking more towards Rory fits his style of game, the distance off the tee, the, you know, kind of being in his home environment overseas have to love Rory. And then I feel like Rom might kind of go underlooked a little bit here relative to what you would typically expect. You see it in the odds, Scheffler and Rory both at seven to one and then Rom almost double their odds at 13 to one. So I feel like it's been a while since there's been a, a number that is worth betting Rom at outright and 13 to one actually feels pretty decent. I would say here for anyone that, that is looking to get into the, the outright markets got, got to like Rom there. Um, yeah. So at, at the top, like with rainmakers, it, it's just a, if you have those guys play them, I'm curious what the overlap is going to look like in terms of how many lineups have all three of Rory, Scheffler, and Rom. Probably a lot, but also like if you have that opportunity, I think it's probably worth it. I think, you know, I could also see a a unique construction where you play all three of them, but don't use any of them as the captain, right? So maybe they all do finish in the top five, but they don't actually win. And then you're able to spike the proper captain. So from a game theory perspective, if you're playing all three of them, I, I think that's a, a, a bit unique angle that you could take here. <clears throat> but definitely not going to talk anybody off the ledge on, on any of those top three. Right behind them, you then have two of our favorites, I feel like, every single week, Hatton and Hovland, who, who are both super live to win this week. And I, I don't, I don't want to give away my winner pick, but it might come from one of these two guys. I mean, Hatton has just been been on fire and like another thing that i like about hatton and also so i've noticed this with both rom and hatton for this week is that all like you look at the underlying number so let's look at rom first <clears throat> rom second in the field and strokes gain total over the last 50 rounds 50 to green you know, pr pretty much top 17 in every single stat except for around the greens where he's 54th and then i'm seeing a similar thing with hatton where he's in the top 10 in pretty much every stat, except for around the green where he's 51st. And I feel like the around the green stat at these courses is just totally different than at a normal course. Because like when you're around the green on these courses, you're probably putting still. Like they're going to have those spots where they're able to putt from off the green and both Rom and Hatton respectively rank seventh and third in the field in putting. So I like those guys to begin with, and I feel like that is even a, a, an extra sweetener in that because, again, like the around the green shots are kind of just like super long putts often at these courses where, where you have 
you know, you're not chipping from the rough, right? You're, yeah. You're, you're going to be chipping from the fairway and likely hitting the putter. So that's one thing that, that I noticed. I'm curious your take on from a course fit standpoint. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to, I don't know your winner pick. So one, I, uh, I don't, I don't want to say too much, but like, we know Victor Hovland loves to hit putts from 20 yards away. He loves to do it. One, he needed to do it before his short game was much, much improved. Now he has a much improved short game and he has the weapon of being able to hit putts from pretty much anywhere. I mean, it, it, it goes, uh, it probably goes under said or will go under said this kind of course just plays so, so different than every other PGA tour course. When you get a true links course, when you get a course overseas here for the open championship that plays, you know, really, really traditionally linksy. It is going to demand a ton uh, of. It is going to put a ton of different pressure, different kinds of pressure on short game and potentially on putting than uh, you you see in any other course. I mean, the the telltale sign is last year at the Open you know, where Cam where Cam Smith pulls putter and puts the ball around a massive bunker and somehow. It, using the putter gets up and down for par to win the open championship. I mean, those are the kind of things that just these kind of links courses demand that you don't see every day on, on the PGA tour. So I do think that is very interesting. I mean, I, shout out our guys over there at data golf. We, we love to use that site. You, you said it so well, Scheffler, his odds to win Data Golf gives him an 11.2% chance to win. McElroy, 9.1% chance. And John Rahm, 5.7% chance. After that, it's Cantlay and Shoffley, 4.7 and 3.7. And then basically Hatton and Hovland at 3%. And then after that, it's kind of everyone else. If you if, if we're only looking at Rainmaker's names, you got to go down to Fleetwood. You got to go down to Morikawa. Uh, they're sub the sub one or sub 2%. And then you look all the way down, you called him out, Justin Thomas, he's a 0.7% chance to win. So you're talking about win equity that is super, super small for what we would traditionally call elite, elite golfers. I mean, Justin Thomas, elite golfer, certainly not playing anywhere near his ability, but in general, I mean, if you take the guys at the top, jam them into one lineup and then add a Justin Thomas, I think you're certainly going to be unique. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't even think you need to go as far down as Justin Thomas to get unique guys like Wyndham Clark, Tony Finau, Hideki Matsuyama, Adam Scott. I mean, there's a lot of guys in that mid range that if you go with them as a third or fourth golfer, I think you'll certainly be unique. So I don't think you really need to overthink it. If you have Scheffler, Rory, Rom, you can certainly play them together. I also think in a, in a, and I'm interested in your take, you know, someone who's played DFS a lot longer than I've played DFS. I mean, it's 61 golfers here. If you have a chance to say, break those guys up to me, it could be the field. It could be the kind of tournament where you might want to say, play Scotty and Rory together, but then break Rom off and break Rom off as a captain and then play something like Rom can't lay Rom Hatton, Rom Hovland. And then a couple other guys that are a little unknown. I think this kind of course, this kind of event with only 61 players in the field, I think you can quote unquote, play a little bit fancy and maybe break one of those top guys off. What's your take on that? Would you play them together or would you, would you think about breaking them up or is it kind of like 50, 50 based on the rest of your portfolio? I think so. Between the five guys that we've talked about, Scheffler, Rory, Rom, Hatton, Hovland, I think it's very, eh, maybe not. That, I think it's highly likely that one of those five guys or one of the guys that's not in the rainmakers pool ends up being the winner here. So I, I would maybe say, 
of those five, like only play three of them. I would not play all five of those guys in one lineup. I feel like you're basically guaranteeing yourself to be duped at least once, regardless of who your captain is, putting all five of those guys together. Probably not the smart game theory choice. I think it's okay to play Rom, Rory, and Scheffler all together, but then with those final two spots, you want to get somewhat unique, either by taking some of the persons from higher up on the odds boards or by making one of your one-off plays your captain instead of making one of the, the big three your captain. Um, I think that, that that's pretty important here, but it, it really is hard to – it also depends on what you're trying to do, right? Like, are you trying to win or are you just trying to, like, guarantee yourself to make some cash? Because playing all of those guys together, I mean, you, you can feel very good about your chances of at least making, you know, your 40, 50, 60 bucks or whatever that may be. But you limit your upside from a game theory standpoint of actually climbing to the very top of the leaderboard. So I, I like a general roster construction of taking three out of those top five guys into one lineup and then getting at least slightly different with the other two spots. I, th I think that makes the most sense. And then you, you kind of, you know, but, but you don't want to go too far down the board. I feel like also, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm looking at our site right now on the players page, we default to showing the, the, the top 30 available players and it, it gets, I feel like the, the top 30. Okay. Past that, it gets super, super thin. Um, yeah. I mean, there's only 10 people in the field that are eligible to rainmakers and are 35 to one or better to win, which I think speaks volumes in itself. But like looking at this 50 to one plus range, you've got Matt Fitzpatrick. I could see him doing well. I feel like it's a decent setup for him. Drives the ball. Well, I feel like has the, the kind of trickiness around the greens that is needed on, on these courses. So. I will say I will say on Matty Fitz just because I just read this quote. He says, quoting himself, says he doesn't have the best track record at open championships. It's by far the major that suits him the least oh. in terms of how he feels. Says his game isn't in the best of shape and he's trying to be realistic. Said a top 30 this week would be a good performance. That's a mm. quote directly from right. Matty Fitzpatrick. Well, we don't so, want that then. Yeah, that ain't gonna win any money in Rainmakers. I mean, if you're believing in the golfer. What, what about uh what about Tom Kim? So Tom Kim just had a nice performance at the Scotland Open. He's sitting at 60 to one. That feels like a, a buy. That's a pretty decent one to, to fill out that lineup. You also have Wyndham Clark in that same area, just coming off, uh, you know, his ma major victory of his own 65 to one. Obviously he has the upside, has the distance, has all of that. Uh, I think, yeah, I think like, this is I'm a not, great, yeah, it's great it's conversation tough. here. I, I think these three guys right next to each other are awesome to talk about one Tom Kim, Cam Young and then Wyndham Clark. Tom Kim, traditionally the biggest nail on in the coffin on Tom Kim is he's not long enough. Now, do you believe the numbers here? Do we believe a shorter hitter like Tom Kim can win at a place like Hoy Lake where you do need to hit the driver, where driving the golf ball gives you an advantage? I think it's a question, but if Tom Kim plays like he played the Scottish Genesis Open, he's going to be a very, very fine option. I think the other two guys, Cam Young, and Wyndham Clark are very interesting uh, to me. 
Wyndham Clark continues to just pop. He just continues to sit there and play well, has the all-around game. I mean, Wyndham Clark drives the ball just as long as Rory McIlroy. It's not as good. It's not maybe as accurate, but he certainly has a distance. Cam Young, another guy whose driver we know can be a weapon, also has been playing better as of recently. So I think these three are very interesting decisions. If I had to pick them, I'd probably go Clark, Cam Young, Tom Kim. I just don't know that Tom Kim, with his lack of distance, is going to get there. But if everyone's thinking that, you know, if Tom Kim can hit his long irons into these greens, can hold the ball on the greens, can find a little bit of short game, certainly can be fine. Uh, I think they're a very, very interesting trio, all at that 60, 65 to one number. Um, and then I'm even going to do this to you. If you had to pick, knowing all those things, I'm going to toss your guy, Corey Connors, in there of note in the wind. Uh, Robert McIntyre, we talked about Scottish Open, shot the low 64. The only other guy even close to him on Sunday was Corey Connors with a 66. I think Corey Connors is a guy who... When he strikes the ball off the tee, when he's hitting his irons, I mean, he's going to give himself as many birdie looks as anybody. It, of course, will always matter with Connors if he can make the putts. But I like Connors in that group. Who would you take? If you had to take two of those guys, who would you take? I'm always on always on Corey Connors' team. Uh, I, 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 like, I like Connors. I mean, anytime it's the stronger field stuff, I feel like that's when he pops. He's got the the all-around game and the, the ball strike in particular typically comes down to the putter and the short game so I, I do like Connors for this week and kind of that upper tier range what were the two other options the Cam Young Tom Kim Cam Young Wyndham Clark Kim. Corey Connors mm, 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 mm. I would go Clark and Connors I think out of out of those two out of those I'd probably go Clark number one Connors number two uh I'll go Tom Kim three and Cam Young four. Don't feel super strongly there. I think that's that's kind of how I'd order those guys. <clears throat> and then beyond that is where it really like I don't know that there's anyone beyond that that I'm super interested in. Maybe Keegan Bradley, somebody that that we talk about often, similar to kind of the the Corey Connors type of mold, someone that has the distance, has the ball striking. Depends if the putter in the short game shows up. So I like him as well. But it, it is hard to see any of them actually winning. Although we would have said the same thing about it being hard to see Wyndham Clark win previously. Right. So it, it, it's certainly possible, but yeah, th those are the guys that I'm looking at at the, the lower end of the board. <clears throat> we mentioned Justin Thomas briefly, not really looking to touch Justin Thomas right now. Just doesn't really seem to be a need to, again, if the name was anything but Justin Thompson, Thomas, and you looked at the recent results and the underlying stats, you'd be like, no way in hell I'm playing that dude. That guy stinks. Like, there's nothing to like about him right now other than that his name is Justin Thomas. And, like, our brains have trained us to think that Justin Thomas is good and to like Justin Thomas because he's a likable guy and, and he's, you know, done well on the PGA Tour in the past. So I feel like all the names that we've discussed are kind of where I'm drawing – the line in terms of who I'd be willing to play in a, in the guaranteed contests, obviously yep. beyond that, you're going to use your whole collection, but that's where I'd be throwing them into the pack party or whatever other smaller contest that you want. I think once you, you, you get past having three to four of those top 10 guys in your lineup, it 
it's not really worth firing it into any of the guaranteeds anymore just because, again, so likely that one of those top three guys or one of those top five guys ends up in the top three and in the top five. So, yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, we, we got the top of the board. We've got Wyndham Clark, Corey Connors, Keegan Bradley, some Cam Smith and some Tom Kim mixed in. Outside of that, I, I don't see a ton that has me super interested. And then, you know, there, there's a yeah, – this also begs a good question, right, of like there's a whole mid-range of guys in between there that we haven't even touched on. You've got Xander, who is constantly somebody who, like, performs decently but isn't really making his way into top threes and top fives. You've got Cantlay, Tommy Fleetwood, Shane Lowry, Colin Morikawa. Maybe those guys go a little bit – underlooked here um i think that's possible if you have them you're going to be playing them but uh also i don't think any of those guys are specifically jumping out as like guys that i need to get into my lineup all very good golfers shane lowry i think is the you know best course fit of them all just because the overseas stuff always tends to tends to perform well there i think he had a decent showing last week he's like what top 15 maybe top 20 something like that um, yeah, T12 for Lowry last week. And that, that's kind of my strategy go, going into this week, I think. You know, build two to three really, really strong lineups at the top where you're mixing in those top guys with a, a one-off or two and then uh, hope for the best. But it, it's going to be a tough one because of the limited player pool and, you know, it's also going to be a, another unique sweat when it comes to the fact that, like, it's possible that going into Sunday, four of the top five guys on the leaderboard aren't in Rainmakers. Like, that's very possible with the Big lift offers, with Big time. Fowler and Spieth and everyone. I mean, we're, and, only, like, t- we're only talking about 40% of the entire field. We're yeah. only talking about 40% of the entire field. Guys like Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, uh, Jordan Jordan Spieth plays fantastic at Open Championship venues. Uh, his Open Championship history is unbelievable if you look at Spieth's history. Uh, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. All right. Yeah, you, you said you weren't interested in a couple of guys. Of course, my collection has a couple of these guys. So I'm going to make you make some tough decisions here. And, and, and then we're going to get your really? winner pick and we're going to get we're going to get out of here. I did, you know, shout out somebody listening to this show. Shout out somebody out there who doesn't believe in the big Spaniard. They sold it to me for 8% below floor. I got myself a John Rom for 65 bucks. So, my top lineup is going to have Scotty Scheffler, going to have John Rom playing two of my rare guys up into elite. And then of course, I've got four elite guys. I've had this decision over and over and over again all season long. I think I know where I'm going to go, but I'm interested in how you fill it out and how you pick captain. I've got you know, guys you aren't interested in. Tony Finau, Hideki Matsuyama, Adam Scott, and of course, a little unknown guy by the name of Brian Harmon, who seems to always make me make the wrong decisions in these in these spots. So I've got those four elite guys. Of course, I'm going to be able to make two elite teams. Uh, I might actually be even be able to make three elite teams. I've got those middling options beyond those guys, but I need three guys and a captain between Finau, Matsuyama, Adam Scott, and Brian Harmon. Who are you going with? I am playing whoever you say right now. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Let's see. I think that my number one choice of those is Hideki Matsuyama. Um, 
I think that I don't necessarily see him winning, but I can definitely see a top 10 coming from Hideki. Uh, has has the distance, has all the ball striking that you need. You know, is, is good around the greens, and I feel like can get through those tricky spots there when it comes to some of these unique shots that they'll have at a course like you're going to see at the Open. So I like Matsuyama as my number one option there. Man, I'm really just not loving Finau a ton. I mean, he just hasn't quite had it. He's missed two out of his last four cuts. And since his win at the Mexico Open, has not finished better than – I mean, PGA Championship made the cut, but basically finished dead last, if not actually dead last. It's pretty close there. So I am – Matsuyama, number one. Adam Scott, number two. I feel like we've been on on the Adam Scott train all year and don't have anything super against him. I don't think it's like a super special fit by any means, but but I, I don't mind him here. So then it comes down to, do I hate Finau enough to play Harmon over him? And I might. I mean, Harmon just seems to kind of get it done. And has that all-around game. I mean, I guess not, not not the length that you necessarily are dying to have at this course. So, you know, may, maybe maybe the play is to, to go with a Matsuyama captain, go with Adam Scott and go with Harmon, and then hedge by making Finau the captain of your, of your second elite team. And All right, guys. I love whenever is. I get a built-in excuse for reasons to hate and blame my it on making. Me. We blame it on TJ this week. We captain Hideki Masayama. We jam in the plus ten thousand Brian Harmon over the plus six thousand Tony Finau, and then we go Adam Scott, Scotty Scheffler, John Rom. We're hoping for a John Rom first, a Scotty Scheffler top three, which is basically a lock, and then Hideki Harmon and Scott to round out the top 10 to take down the elite contest. It certainly will be unique folks. It certainly will be unique. I like it. I, uh, I actually had Hideki captains. I have, I have fell down the Tony Finau odds trap too many times this season to do it again. Uh, Finau of course has better odds than anybody there, but man, he just really stunk it up for me in times when I really, really needed him. Uh, it was, it's been painful. So if somebody else stings me this week, so be it, get your Tony Finau to win bets in hedge, hedge, hedge out from these decisions, but we're going Matsuyama, Harmon, Scott, Scheffler, and Rom. I'll build all of my lineups, of course, on the Wednesday show. You'll see that one headlining that show. So I'll be back on Wednesday with the solo show. We're going to be back tomorrow with a bit more golf talk and a bit more coverage on the entire field blitz fantasy golf will be back this week we'll have the standard 99 gold tournament we will also have a 500 gold double up uh should be a good tournament to get in there mix it up try to double your money uh should be a really fun contest new to blitz is the double up contests uh for golf so it'll be fun to get that out that one out there and we'll go through on tomorrow's show we'll go through all of blitz we will rate out 
out the tiers. Uh, we'll do the top 75 golfers. We'll take a look at all of them. That will include all of the live guys. That will include other guys that aren't Rainmakers guys. So we'll check that out on tomorrow's stream. More, more information coming there. We're hoping to get a couple of guests on that show. Talk generally uh, golf and all things happening in the golf world. So look for that uh, to be set up later today or tomorrow morning. Should be a 3 p.m. Eastern show. And then I'll be back on Wednesday with uh, your normal uh, scheduled programming for Rainmakers lineup builders. If you haven't already, head on over to our site, otmnft.com. Everything you need to know from a Rainmakers perspective in terms of pricing, uh, all the data on all the golfers, make sure you're using offers. I mean, I just put an 8% below floor offer in. I was going to just buy the ROM outright at 70 bucks. Uh, I was just like, oh, let's see how these offers work. I put a $65 offer in. It was accepted in less than two hours, less than an hour almost, I think. So definitely use offers at this point in time during the season. Uh, also crafting is up. If you're out there, make sure you're getting crafting done. We've got more gated contests from rainmakers happening. If you didn't already, there's a discord contest. So if you're in discord, $5,000 discord gated contest for this week, go over, click the dino bot. All you got to do is put in your DraftKings username and email, and you'll be into that contest. Usually are some really solid overlays. You can also, uh, it'll also be a core contest. So you can use some of your best core, cool car- core cards there and give yourself better upside of winning in some of the other core contests. Um, all right, nothing left but to do than hear who TJ thinks is going to be the champion golfer of the year in 2023. TJ, hit us with your winner pick, and then we will actually sail into the sunset until tomorrow after you give us your pick. Short and sweet this time around. Somebody that we talk about frequently on this show. I'm pretty sure I've picked him as my winner before. Mr. Anger on the golf course. Terrell Hatton, he just feels due for a W here. Another nice showing last weekend with his T6 at the Genesis Scottish Open. Coming off top 30 performances and in, in all the previous majors. Terrell Hatton, going to be my winner pick for this week. 22-1, to 1, I think that's a nice number to place a little outright wager at. And uh, I just think he sets up well for it. I, I like the way that he's been playing. I like the the overseas fit for him, and uh, I think there it is. I saw I saw someone tweet out that was like Rory should always play with Hatton because he just like kind of smiles at how angry Hatton gets, and it and it mellows Rory out. So uh, the yin to 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 Rory's yang, Terrell Hatton takes home the Open Championship this weekend, twenty two to one. Fire in your your little five ten dollar outright bets on my guy Hatton. Book it. It was the TJ show today. It was awesome to get back to normally scheduled programming. Awesome to have TJ picking my lineups here. And given all the analysis, I mean, the guy's spitting hot fire, all the numbers coming to you from TJ this week. Appreciate you being back and appreciate this show. Appreciate all you listeners out there. Catch you all tomorrow. Be in, be uh, catch me on, on, on Twitter, on discord announcing all the shows for this week. But if I don't catch you tomorrow, I'll catch you on Wednesday. All right. That'll do it for us. Talk to you later. Peace. Thank you.